Hello, welcome to the History Today podcast. For our last episode of the season, Katie and I talked with Jacob Sondick about social issues in the sports world. We talked about how athletes have pushed for change across a multitude of sports, discussed recent, long overdue decisions to give major status to the Negro baseball leagues and strip teams of their Native American names, and much more. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so to kick off this episode, um, the first thing we're going to talk about with kind of the activism and sports umbrella topic is uh, just the history of the Negro Leagues and kind of integration in baseball. So when I was doing some research for this, um, I didn't realize, and I kind of want to know if you guys knew about this, uh, there were black players in baseball uh, before 1900 in professional baseball. I did not, like, I personally did not know that. I, I do not follow sports um, much. Um, and so you wouldn't, if you asked me any like small detail, I probably wouldn't know about it. Um, but I think that's super interesting. Um, it's definitely not something that, that you would think about, but it, it it's, you know. Yeah. So I think it's like, it's really interesting. Basically, uh, there were two black players I was able to find, um, Moses Fleetwood Walker and Bud Fowler, who, and there were more. But uh, up until about 1900, they were allowed in baseball, they were allowed in professional baseball, and then Jim Crow laws kind of set in and were like, yeah, you're out of this, not allowed. Um, and for about 20 years, uh, we had the period that was known as barnstorming, which is basically just a bunch of kind of thrown together teams going around the country and playing games. Uh, and then in 1920, Andrew Rube Foster organizes the first Negro League. There would be seven of them that would be recognized, um, but they would be competing for the next couple of decades. So, uh, yeah, does anyone, do you guys want to talk about that a little bit, or should I keep going kind of with the history? Well, no, I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think the 1900 fact, it, people don't really think about it, but I think Jim, Jim Crow was such a setback even back then because it was – it um just racially motivated law enforcement just trying to suppress any form of equality and i think baseball followed suit in that and that makes sense i mean baseball in america were interrelated for 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 centuries as america's national pastime so i think baseball's at like it, it reflected they reflected the leadership in the country and the racist attitudes during the time no question yeah, I definitely think that that's true. And I think it's it's really interesting how, you know, Jim Crow kind of, you know, I think we kind of assume that it was like the Civil War ended and then Jim Crow happened. And I guess this is this is an example of how, you know, there was kind of a, a period of trying to do some, some, you know, progressive things and trying to be better. And then, of course, as we talked about last week, actually, with the kind of waves happening of, of, anti-progression, I guess, or regression, that's the word. Waves of regression where, you know, you have things like what happened in, in 1900 where they're not allowed to compete professionally anymore. And then, so in 1920, we have this organized league. And then for the next 25 years, uh, there are kind of parallel, two parallel existences where we have the Negro Leagues and the Major Leagues. And um, the good part is that now, as of, you know, a month ago, or not even a month ago, uh, they're all considered the major leagues. But for the, the this 25-year period, uh, we have about 3,400 players 
that would compete in the seven Negro Leagues up until uh, 1948. And uh, the kind of, you know, the bridge between these two parallel existences is Jackie Robinson. So Jackie Robinson is well known, uh, I think, when people kind of hear anything regarding integration of sports, not even baseball, they think of Jackie Robinson just because he's kind of the, he's, he's the face of everything. He was the first to do it. He breaks the color barrier in um, 1945 when he's recruited by the Dodgers, and then he plays for them first in 1947. Uh, and yeah, so he's recruited in 47. It's not like a seamless thing. Uh, and the play in the Negro Leagues, more, I think, out of their own wanting to play in the Negro Leagues and less out of them, you know, needing to have them anymore would continue until the 60s. So the Negro Leagues didn't just disappear after Jackie Robinson joined them. There's definitely a history there. But after him, a lot of black players were allowed to join. And, you know, you had your, you know, your Willie Mazes and your Hank Aarons and a bunch of stars in the 50s and 60s that would be able to play in the originally only white teams. Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting um, that, you know, you, you connected it to the, to the waves of regression that we were talking about in, you know, a previous episode. And I just think it's super interesting that, and I don't even think interesting is the right word, but we, we had people playing in, in, in these teams before 1900. And then we see this, this huge, just pushback, like it's, you know, Jim Crow made it you know, not allowed to do any of these um, things anymore. And so we see that, you know, things that were previously more more lenient are now strictly not allowed. And it seemingly just went, like, no one, no one in American society, like, seemed to notice it at the time, which I guess makes sense because of, you know, the product of just, like, the nature of America in general. Um, we could talk about that for a long time, but I don't want to get off track. Essentially, I just think that it's it's sort of disgusting that that there was progress, there was some sort of progress, there was some sort of integration before 1900, and then we just see this, you know, strict end to it. Um, it's it's super shocking and very disappointing that that nothing was, you know, no progress was made or no no recognition of that sort of happened. Um, so speaking of recognition. Uh, I think, you know, we were all happy to see on December 16th this year, uh, obviously, you know, over 70 years after the, uh, you know, the Jackie Robinson deal was made with the Dodgers, uh, the major leagues decided finally to recognize the uh, 28 years of the Negro Leagues from, from 20 to 48 as the major, having major league status. Now, this is really important, uh, as I mentioned over 3,400 players are now included in, you know, the archives. And I think it's also really interesting because, you know, I, I really enjoy baseball stats. I enjoy looking at baseball stats and enjoy kind of the history of, of looking at stuff. And I think a lot of people don't realize, a lot of people that aren't really, like, you know, super into baseball um, don't realize how, like, impressive getting all these stats are, is and like actually counting it. So I thought it was really cool that in the press release, they mentioned um, the Seamheads Negro Leagues database, which 
it basically these four guys have put together you know their best their best shot at like actually finding all of the statistics from the negro leagues and putting it there because that's basically been kind of the bar one of the major barriers for why they haven't wanted to make it make it a major league because there isn't as much statistical information uh so i think that's really important that you know actually you know saying you know here's this barrier you've put up to kind of keep the negro leagues out of major status well here you go we broke the barrier i uh, that's cool yeah no definitely i i think i mean it's long overdue and i don't know i don't know i think i think the mlb i think the mlb has ways to go just like a lot of a lot of leagues i mean besides i think the nba is taking the most steps we'll get to that we'll get to that later but yeah i think i think those 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 players were historic and uh this the stats should be should be like they they were playing major league baseball also they just weren't and they were yeah they were forced to kind of, they were they were subjugated to like less and they weren't like counted against the record uh on the record which is just not it it did them it did that league those leagues a disservice no question yeah i definitely yeah. think you know like one of the arguments that i always heard about the negro leagues was like oh it was a different game you know you can't really count it but like I also think that, you know, if you look at the game Ty Cobb was playing, like he wasn't playing the game that's being played now. Right. <laughs> and, you know, you can't, you know, obviously it was a different game because it was, you know, 100 years ago. But, you know, the major leagues was still the major leagues then and, you know, still very much counts. Uh, and there are some great players. Like, you know, I think the name that I've seen floated around a lot is uh, Josh Gibson, who people refer to as the Black Bay Brute. Uh, and it's interesting because apparently the guy hit over 800 home runs, which would be the record for, it would be the record for Major League Baseball. Um, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how many home runs he actually gets credited for, because again, stats can be good and bad, depending on how much we actually know. But, uh, yeah, so I think the next thing we can move on to, unless anyone wants to say more about, uh, this kind of recent breakthrough with the Negro Leagues. Uh, we can move on to Katie's favorite topic, the, the Native mascot movement. Um, yeah, sure. So this movement has been going on for a pretty long time. Um, we were talking about this um, before we started, but essentially this movement began in 1968 and it has been headed by the National Congress of American Indians and this organization is one of the oldest, largest, and most representative, most representative um, advocacy organizations for Native people um, throughout throughout um, you know our history. We've had um, three very prominent organizations: the National Congress of American Indians being the most long-standing one. There were also two others um, that that did not, you know, were not related to the Native mascot issue, but. Um, just by the nature of, um, just based on the representative nature of the National Congress of American Indians, they have been the most long-standing organization. And so this movement began by them in 1968, and they essentially launched a campaign to address the stereotypes of Native peoples in popular culture and in the media, as well as in sports. Um, 
the organization has held a clear position against derogatory and harmful stereotypes of Native peoples, and this is, you know, obviously um, demonstrated in the many sports mascots that, you know, some of them we have, you know, managed to break free from, but we still have a lot that we need to, you know, get rid of. Um, but essentially their stance is that, um, you know, rather than honoring Native peoples, these, these, um, these mascots, they, they, their stereotypes of harmful, um, you know, they just, they essentially, you know, perpetuate harmful stereotypes that Native peoples have experienced throughout, um, you know, throughout history. And so, while there are many who would say that this is something that honors Native peoples, it's, it's really not anything that does any honor. Um, essentially, it is a disregard for um, the personhood or the identity of Native peoples. Um, so something that is important to note is that since 1963, no professional teams have established new mascots um, that use racial stereotypes um, in their names and imagery. Um, and in 2005, the NCAA established an extensive policy to remove um, these harmful mascots. And so there's an entire timeline that, that we'll link in, in the description of um, this movement. It started in 1968. It's, it's still happening. There's been a lot of progress this year in terms of um, just removing names and essentially something that you know, I grew up in a town that that used um, Indians previously as um, a name for for our mascot. I never was into into sports. I never attended any of you know anything. Um, but but my high school did use the name, and we recently got rid of um, our Indian name. But what 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 I saw in my town, and what I think is a trend in general, is that this is a very generational issue. And I don't know how it got to be that way, but it's 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 a general it's a generational issue in the sense that like older generations like very much so connect like their school mascot with a sense of pride or just they look back at it with so much nostalgia that they're they're a lot less willing to see it removed, even though it's clearly unethical. So essentially, like in in my you know my town but also like all over with all of these movements you know we see people that say like this is this is who we are this is like where like this is how we grew up etc like this is you know a part of our you know town's pride and things like that it's it's very much they're using that as i guess like a like a wall almost to not address the this idea that these mascots strip identity from native people like they're saying well well we grew up with this 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 is you know a sense of pride for us but they're neglecting to see the history behind it and they're neglecting to see why like the extent to why it why it removes you know that that sense of identity so something that you know we that's something that we see that that names are being removed but there's not necessarily it's not matched with with education, if that makes sense. So like, I think that many people view it as, okay, the, the names are gone, like that's all we're gonna do and they don't wanna do anything else or they don't feel they need to do anything else. But something that I would personally like to see 
is is um, universities in Washington, you know, educating on the Native experience and why the mascot needed to be removed? You know, people. Um, also, something that's important to note is that for whatever the reason, um, people see some teams' mascots as more pressing to remove, while others don't really see the pressure to remove a team, for example, that uses the term Indians. However, I don't really see any justification behind this because all of these names are offensive. However, you know, we, we do see that that change has been slow for teams okay. names that people would argue are not as offensive as, say, Washington's previous team name. Um, but essentially, like, they, they are all bad. And I think that part of the reason that we've seen you know, such slow change recently with, with, you know, teams, for example, that just carry the Indian label, like people just fail to see why it's offensive. And they just, they, they use the, like, why are we being politically correct? Like, I think that, I don't know, it's very, it's very complicated, but I definitely would like to see more of these changes being followed by by changes in education as well, because a lot of the reason that these that these movements receive pushback at all is that there's just not enough education to back them up. I think that if people, you know, knew Native history and they had a knowledge of why these mascots are so bad, maybe perhaps they would be more receptive and more willing to to get, you know, these names out of here. Um, but you know, one one other thing that I just wanted to like quickly mention is that the native mascot issue takes much more precedent in American media over other native issues. For example, such as the land back movement, that's a huge movement backed by um, many native nations across the country. It's I I definitely like want your perspective on that. I just think it's really interesting how this is the one issue that like the media always closely follows, whereas like other issues are sort of they come into like the media like one day and they just like leave the next day. I don't know. I think it's I think it might be a reflection of how important sports are to to the American people. Maybe it's a reflection of that. Maybe it's also because because people are so um you know, connected to sports, like via, you know, a sense of pride, there's more maybe controversy, you know, surrounding it, not saying that there should be, I don't think any of this is, you know, controversial. Um, but yeah, I'd like your thoughts on that. Like, what do you what do you think is, you know, perhaps the reason why this issue has taken such a precedent in the media over any of the other um, Native movements? But yeah. So I can go, I think, um, basically, I think my kind of answer to that question is that, yes, yeah, sports has uh, definitely a huge, you know, huge following in this country. And as we're going to talk about later, uh, you know, sports stars all the time use their huge platforms to, you know, make change and push for change. And I think it's kind of the same thing here, but on the opposite side of the spectrum, where when something bad happens in sports, it is, you know, front and center. You know, I think, you know, in, in my lifetime, I think probably, like, the thing I remember the most of being, like, this huge, like, sports scandal was, like, Tiger Woods. Like, when Tiger Woods had that whole scandal in, in like, 20, 2011 or whatever, it was, like, everywhere. Like, it was on, you know, local TV. You go to the supermarket, you see his face everywhere. Like, it's, like, like, when something 
negative happens in sports, it gets covered. When something positive happens in sports, it gets covered a lot. So, you know, that just kind of shows like the pull of sports. But um, I just want to ask a question to, to you guys about kind of the magnitude of the different names. Because so earlier this year, we saw um, Washington change their name. We're going to see Cleveland change their name at the end of the 2021 season, I believe, for baseball. Um, and Cleveland is a really interesting, like, interesting uh, instance because they had a mascot, uh, I believe, until 2017. Which was just a very, very racist character, caricature, or caricature. I'm bad at pronouncing that word. Um, caricature, a very racist caricature of a Native American, uh, Chief Wahoo, where it's just this red guy. Um, and they got rid of him, but then they didn't get rid of the name until this year. And I think that's kind of very telling of the, the slow progress of compromise. And, you know, we're willing to get rid of one part of the racist legacy, but we're going to keep the other one for a couple more years. Um, and then I think I want to ask the question of um, the other three. There are three other professional sports teams as of right now that have not declared they're going to change the name. Uh, we have the Chicago Blackhawks of hockey. We have the Atlanta Braves, which is probably the Atlanta Braves and the Kansas City Chiefs are probably the two hardest to argue simply because um, I think there are some people that don't even realize that the Atlanta Braves is named after Native Americans. They don't really understand because they have a tomahawk in the logo. But um, Atlanta Braves and the Kansas City Chiefs, which I learned recently, is not actually named after Native American, but they brought in all this Native American imagery right after, such as their stadium is called Arrowhead Field or Arrowhead Stadium. They're, they do the fans do the tomahawk cop. So it's interesting how the Chiefs started out named after a mayor or something. It was his nickname was the Chief, and then they brought in the Native American stereotypes. So, what are you guys thinking about the other three teams and you know what they should be doing right now? Yeah, no, it's a shame that it, it's I, it's a shame that we're so accustomed to change being so slow. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, this is being slow, but we're not really surprised. And I think the pressure just needs to be on these leagues to to stand united and, and change them. It's It frustrates me that people get so angry with – because if you're not Native American, it's – and people argue – and it's such a backwards point that you, they're more offended with them trying to be politically correct, which is just not being racist, whether – like – it just doesn't make sense. It's a struggle that it's a non-existent struggle that that the op, like opposition creates, and I don't. I really don't think it's. I really don't think it's a big deal. I think if if Atlanta changed their name, Kansas City changed their name, Kansas City's still going to have Patrick Mahomes, no matter what their name is. I don't. I don't think it matters too much. You know, I in that sense, I think it matters more to keep the pressure on and keep the oven hot because Washington changing their team was awesome. That was way overdue. I can't believe that they 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 got away with their name for that long, but that just shows that people love people love uh, the status quo and associate status quo racism to good parts of their lives. And it's just the racism didn't make your life good; it was just there. You know, I, I think that needs to be highlighted because there that that alone doesn't make life good. The name doesn't. If it, I don't. I don't 
the the uh, offense to changing it makes no sense to me but it's it will continue to be there and be the reason why this change is so slow yeah like i sort of alluded to i think it was i you know washington changing their name was very very overdue but at the same time i think that it was very easy to argue the removal of it because of the more derogatory nature of it it is actually a racial slur like it is you know you can't you can't there's no denying that it's a it's a racial um slur so i think that while it took so long for that for that name to be removed and i agree um with you jacob that it it, it shouldn't have taken that long it should have just been clear cut um but even so i think that that one was almost the easiest to argue because it was just so blatant so blatantly derogatory and i think that you know part of the reason that cleveland was able to get away with just removing the derogatory image was that people for whatever the reason don't see the term indian as derogatory at all in nature i don't understand that like that is something that doesn't you know really click with me i think that all of these names if they have reference to native peoples without native people's consent like it's all derogatory it's all not good um so I don't really understand how they were able to get away with just removing the derogatory image. I'm glad that they're they're removing the name that's attached. Um, I definitely I definitely think like unfortunately it's probably a pattern that we're going to see with the other three teams. We're we're, we're probably going to see a pattern where they'll say, "Hey, the Chiefs will say we're going to remove these these you know traditions or these you know things that we associate with our game. We'll we'll remove the practices, but we're not going to remove the name yet." Um, and it's 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 very unfortunate because why can't you just do it in all like one clear go? Like why can't you just rebrand your name in one go and it be done with it? I don't I don't understand the I don't understand the point I guess of removing one part of it and keeping the other part. If you're already removing one part, just remove it all. You know, um, I and. You know, I agree, like, I don't understand that sense of pride either, because it's like, what are you proud of? Like, what exactly are you proud of? You're proud of this name, but you have no, you know, connection to this name. You are not, a lot of the people who are upset about this are not Native people. Like, you have zero connection to this name. It's no connection to your culture. It's, you know, and you're, you're creating, you have a sense of pride from it. Like, I just don't. I think that, you know, something that's more important to highlight that you kind of mentioned, Jacob, is that, you know, the sports teams are about the players. It's not about the label that you put on it. The players are still going to remain the players and the quality of the team is going to remain the same if the players are still there. So why why are we focusing more on, you know, th these certain labels than, you know, focusing on the fact that the team itself isn't going to change unless the players leave. Like, the, t the team is still going to be the same team. It's just going to have a new image, a more positive image, a less racist image. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, it's interesting because when teams, I'm thinking about the two-part, like, structure of a team name is, like, the city, obviously, and then the the mascot and i don't know i think i think the fact that people are more worried about a name change like as opposed to i think people would a lot of opposition to uh to fixing these names people would be more inclined to have their team move from their city than change the name and that's wild to me because 
I think the city matters the most because that's where the pride should come, you know? There's no mascot pride. Like, I think I'm not proud of the Mets because their mascot's a big, a big, like, human baseball. I'm proud of, like, New York City, you know? So I think, I think the, the city, the city needs more than anything. And I think if cities are, I think if uh, fans are worried about, like, their franchises not being the same, they will be. Like you said, I don't, there's no, that, that's, that doesn't change anything on, on the roster or any, like, tangible baseball moves. So, or baseball, football, basketball, whatever. Yeah, one thing I'm one thing I'm I've noticed with the whole the whole Cleveland thing is that they decided to announce it now and transition after the season. And I was thinking about that and I realized it's it's probably because of sponsorships and stuff. And I was initially annoyed, like, you know, why didn't they just change it immediately? Why don't they just like, you know, do what the Washington football team did and just get rid of the name? Um and I think I understand now, but I also like I think it would be cool if you know, and this isn't just the three professional teams, but also college teams and all this stuff, you know, they have sponsorships too. If maybe they can designate just like the, the Indians have done where they say, you know, we will be changing our name and then slowly start working or not even slowly, but over a year, start working to kind of get rid of those sponsorships and all the, you know, merch deals and all that kind of stuff. And I think demonstrated intent while it is the bare minimum would be something nice to see, you know, we're working, you know, we're working towards getting rid of this as opposed to just not saying anything until, you know, eventually getting rid of it. I think that it would be like something that I think would be better is if they say, we're not going to sponsor you anymore if you have this name and then they have to change it. Like, I would prefer something like that, where it's like, you have to sponsor you, then you have, you have to get rid of this right away. Like, that's something that I would personally like to see. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think it's it's frustrating that it's it's been taking so long for some of these teams, and I think that that's sort of the reason. Just say we're not gonna we're not gonna sponsor you, we're not gonna fund you, or even even more so, having actual players on these teams speak up against this, like have players of the, these teams say, like, I don't want to play on a team that has this like racially you know derogatory name, like I don't want to do that, I don't want to be a member, like. I'm I'm not I'm not a sports person. I would never play sports, but I personally would never want to be a part of a team that you know had derogatory origins and derogatory you know traditions like attached to it. Um, so I definitely like to see them just not sponsor these teams anymore and say you force them into changing them, and then you know also have major players just saying like we don't want to play on this team, and maybe if they you know had this you know sense of well, we might lose like some of our best players if we don't do this. Just applying more pressure, you know, applying more pressure, I think is the way to go. Yeah, and I think segueing from, you know, as you mentioned, players speaking up. Uh, Jacob, do you want to talk about uh, your portion? Yeah, definitely. So the, the NBA bubble kind of took everything by storm. Uh, as we know, the, the pandemic, uh, cut the season in in March. They suspended. They started suspending games, and the season didn't start up again until July. Where the NBA had the bubble to prevent uh, COVID from entering and having spread, and it worked. Uh, the the player the season got finished, and, and that that's good. But before before like even the NBA finals, there the social justice 
messages the NBA was putting out throughout the bubble, I think, really uh, captured my attention. The, the Black Lives Matters warm-ups, having the Black Lives Matter uh, message on the court, uh, players foregoing their last names. Not all of them, but a, I would say at a majority, a, a, a high majority of the players had uh, n- n- uh, important messages rather than their names. Cause, and that, it's impor- that's important because it shows that they're bigger than, like these issues are way bigger than last names in basketball and and that, and that, but this this came to a head in August when the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, following the following uh, Jacob Blake's getting shot seven times in Kenosha in Wisconsin, the the Bucks said they weren't playing. There was rumors about it all day. They were supposed to play the Orlando Magic in a playoff game. So this game, it's it that 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 showed to me how important it was because you've not, I've never seen an NBA game get. Uh, get protested more like more over a, a playoff game and that 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 kind of that got the ball rolling because that day other NBA games were canceled and then all other and other sports followed suit me WNBA was canceling games other, uh the MLB was canceling games show in tennis uh Naomi Osaka she's she's refused to play and it it's just crazy because I no, it's it's not it's it's evident how clear our country's leadership was against this this movement. There was no support from the top of the federal government, as we know. I mean, uh, the the president tweeted during July that once the kneeling starts, like he shuts the game off, and obviously the players didn't care because th- it's not about that. It's it's just about it's something about something bigger than them altogether, and. I think having LeBron James as the represent, like I just, I see him as one of the representatives in the in the NBA and his social justice. I mean, he's done wonders already, and he's built like the building the I Promise School in Akron, and just the sky's the limit for him and his levels of activism even post NBA. But it's it's interesting to me that no matter how much uh, people want to forget his impact and how polarizing he was, this all stems back to Colin Kaepernick. I think LeBron made LeBron made sure that he he gave uh, Kaepernick his credit because LeBron sending his support, saying this wouldn't happen without him, trying to make Kaepernick proud, and I think LeBron took it into his own hands because his job is so stable, where he could where like they're like the Lakers, no matter how much their fans have opposition to LeBron standing up for Black Lives Matter, which is is confusing, but people think that way. Um, Colin Kaepernick, uh, he's, he's giving, he's giving him the, the, Colin Kaepernick didn't have a stable job after he sp- decided to speak out. And that's totally unfair because from a straight sports perspective, I've watched for four years, quarterbacks, primarily white quarterbacks get signed over him and the resumes aren't even close. I mean, Colin Kaepernick, I mean, was a, a two minutes away from winning, winning a Super Bowl. So it was it was it was obvious that the, the NFL was colluding against him, and I think I think LeBron showing it back to him shows that like yeah, while stars are carrying on the mantle, Colin Kaepernick was the first to do it, and his career suffered because of it. But I think this the messages show that this that his he he didn't like he wasn't the end it wasn't like the end of a movement he he got he got it like fire started and 
while it may not be him alone now, now he's his message has I mean the um NBA players kneeling throughout the bubble was was like more it was viewed as just second nature because they were following uh Kaepernick's uh Kaepernick's actions for the previous years. So I think the NBA is far and away making more progress than any other sports league. I mean, they don't, I don't, there's no, like the Chiefs are in um, football, Atlanta is in baseball. And I think the NBA, I think that the, the name change wouldn't have, because of leadership being progressive and actually like being receptive to change. I think the name the name change would have been flawless in the NBA. I really don't think there would have been much up. There would have been opposition, but I feel like the league would have been quicker to get these things changed. I definitely agree with that. I think um, it's also interesting, kind of, to think about you know how this how the, the message of the Black Lives Matter specifically message kind of caught fire with with the NBA and then the other leagues. I think it's also kind of you know important to acknowledge the fact that the NBA has a lot more black players percentage wise and i think you know one of the leagues that i saw probably the least uh cooperation from was hockey where hockey is probably the least pro- actually almost definitely probably the least uh black players in it and when you have you know the nba where all of their teams were, were you know being supportive and they had it on the floor and all this kind of stuff and then you know Eventually, it spilled into baseball. But even with baseball, I think, you know, it was kind of per team and which team, you know, it meant something to. Like, for example, I'm a big Mets fan. I know you are too, Jacob. Uh, We had Dom Smith on the team, who was kind of driving the force to, you know, he's really, you know, one of the only black players on the team. Uh, And he was a driving force to stopped playing their game that day when it happened and then he gave a speech that was you know really really nice about why he wanted to and that was really important but i also think there are some other teams that you know because they didn't have that representation didn't feel the need to stop their game and there were some games that were played and you know that's not the end of the world it's not an insult but it's also you know kind of telling as you said the nba is definitely at the forefront of this and the other leagues definitely have a a ways to go before they you know get anywhere near the nba yeah i definitely like think it a lot of it has to do with representation on on these teams and you know a willingness by by players on these teams to to speak out and be activists i mean when you look at you know i mean tying it back to the native mascot issue a lot of the reason that you know, we don't necessarily see, you know, the change that we want to see is that look at the percentage of Native American people on teams. Like, that's practically non-existent. Like, we see, you know, I think the main difference is that, like, with with these movements in, you know, the NBA, we have people who are actually, like, in these teams who are actually passionate about it, who are, who are willing to, you know, spearhead this change. Whereas, like, with, you know, something like the Native mascot issue, it's, this is all the National Congress of American Indians. These are these are people who lobby in like DC who are trying to make this change and their work is phenomenal. Like it would be so much more stronger if if there was if there was support coming from the inside. You know, so I definitely think that representation and the amount of um people who are willing to to become activists in these sort of issues like 
that's sort of what matters the most, you know, and making sure that the people who, who are in charge of these, you know, team needs or who are in charge at the top, they're also representative and more progressive in their leadership, you know, maybe having people at the top saying, well, I don't, I don't want my team to be named this or, you know, not, not taking it too, too off topic, I hope, but, you know, I definitely think that going back like these, the NBA is so successful because of all of these players who are willing to stand up, even putting some of them, putting their careers at risk. Like that takes a lot of courage to say, you know, this, this cause is bigger than I am, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I will put my career on the line because it's that important to me. I think that's definitely something that reserves that deserves all the recognition in the world. So. And I think it's kind of sad, you know, when you mentioned the, the low percentage of Native Americans that the, you know, I'm trying to rack my brain for a Native American player. And the first person that comes to mind is Jim Thorpe, who obviously, you know, played over 100 years ago. Um, and I also think, you know, and Jim Thorpe, obviously, you know, we could delve into that story, but got his medals stripped away from him for, you know, a technicality that, you know, he, he they were given back. But could look into some possible racism there too but uh i think i wanted to talk about kind of the you know we, we mentioned trump we mentioned kaepernick obviously both of those happened a few years ago or, well, trump is still in office but trump coming up uh, his political rise happened a few years ago uh and um i think it's important to kind of talk about how the nation's attitude has changed because i feel like the NBA doing all of this, uh, there's kind of the two sides to it, where we have, you know, the NBA coming together and really, you know, cooperating and everybody kind of helping each other and supporting each other. But also, I think the the mindset of the fans has changed a lot, where, and not just the mindset of the fans, but also the mindset of the, the reporters, where I think, you know, maybe it was five years ago, but it was it was LeBron. So it's, you know, <laughs> the same person, a lot of continuity. Uh, some reporter, I think it was on Fox, uh, said the line, shut up and dribble. Uh, that they said, you know, sports, sports athletes shouldn't be talking about activism. They should just be playing. They're making enough money. They should just, you know, shut up and dribble, which... I think that kind of that kind of goes outside of sports, where I think even in 2016, we saw, you know, actors and musicians and basically anybody in the public eye, they said, you know, they shouldn't have a political voice. They shouldn't be saying anything. You know, it's not their lane. Stay in their lane. And I think in 2020, you know, and there are a lot of factors to why 2020 was a very different year. But I think in 2020, we saw a complete change of that idea where, you know, all of a sudden athletes, instead of being told you can't be politically active, were the leaders. And, you know, we saw that with a lot of people and uh, obviously it was an election year. So it was very important for them to stand up and be leaders. Yeah, the the um, the shut up and dribble thing, I, I that might have been two years ago. I think that might be even more recent because... Oh, wow. I don't I, yeah, I don't think I don't think Laura Ingraham could have put together multiple years of being on TV, being legit. But uh, I I think I think it may, it it makes me angry that if play, people get mad at the players for not doing their job being political, but the people you're electing aren't doing their job, and that's the reason why this has to be a thing. If not saying they like 
not saying there would be no there would be no push for activism, but it's it's the it's the repeated cycle of the government just just not not caring, not not pushing for change at all. Really, I mean, there's and and I think I think the attitude of the nation revert. I think Trump Trump's rise coincided like it helped reignite the the like the shut up and dribble crowd and the stick to sports you don't like you get paid millions of dollars like and it doesn't discount from the fact like doesn't take away from the color of these athletes in their skin you know i don't i don't like money money can't buy equality you, you know and I, I i don't know it's i think i think lebron used that as fuel knowing him and she she it was interesting because that there there was a stark contrast between her reaction to lebron LeBron and his opposition to to the president, but then this summer, uh, Saints quarterback Drew Brees was kind of made a weird comment like, "I don't like guys that kneel for the anthem because it's about like it's disrespecting the troops," and I that argument is so tired for me because for for years that's what's what it's it's not what they say the the Black Lives Matter movement has repeated that that's not what it's about, but and then he got a lot of hate for it in new orleans and he's loved in new orleans but new orleans has a high african american population and that just proves that no matter how like big of an athlete you are like it goes it's way beyond stats and how valuable you are to a team's like win, win and loss record you know so yeah i think that i think the i think i'm happy the nba uh I'm happy 2020 got the ball rolling cuz you're i mean cuz you're right i mean the attitudes the attitudes were different years like a year ago two years ago five years ago so seeing that change in one league hopefully can can get the ball rolling more yeah i absolutely agree i think that you know there's just so much danger in you know that statement like shut up and dribble or just you're you are you are a famous musician you stick to what you do you're a famous you know sports player stick to what you do i think that it's very much an attempt to just stop progress. I think that more than anything, more than anything, American society highly values, you know, actors, musicians, celebrities in general just have such a, they have such just an influence on American society. And so the the danger in silencing those the, the those you know attempts at activism is you're you're silencing the activism movement in and of itself i think that you know these these movements have you know carried on well without you know celebrity influence and not saying that celebrity influence is is needed for these movements to be successful but imagine just imagine if there was just a coalition of all of these famous people saying these things are bad like it would be I think it would be revolutionary in the sense that I think a lot of people would listen. These are people that they look up to. And if they're saying that they are not, you know, these are, these are people that people literally idolize. Like if these people are saying that we are not for native mascots or we are not for, you know, just racial, you know, tension in general, like I think that would make so much of a difference. And I think that, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to see it more and more. I hope that it, I hope that it continues because I think that it can only make the movement stronger, you know, not saying that it's needed for the movements to be successful, but I think that it would definitely make them stronger. Yeah. I also think like one specific thing, and 
as we have here on the document. One specific thing we can talk about is just like how, uh, when talking about making the movement stronger, how effective uh, all the voting efforts were. Because, you know, we had uh, a really, really abysmal uh, voting rate in 2016. If you look at it, you know, Donald Trump didn't win because of a landslide vote of every Republican coming out to vote. And Hillary didn't lose because every Democrat came out to vote, but they lost because there were too many Republicans. Like the percentages were were, were stupidly low. And any if, if either side had actually gotten, you know, had either, if either side had actually, you know, galvanized the people that support the causes, they would have won in 2016 because there wasn't much support on either side. Um, this year was very different. This year, you know, I think the really important part, and obviously I fall on one side of the spectrum, you know, I voted for, I voted for Joe Biden, uh, and I, you know, without a, without a second thought, but I think, you know, we see on both sides of the spectrum, this importance of a civic duty to vote and, you know, whether or not you vote for, you know, in, in this case, the right person or the wrong person, uh, whether or not you vote for, you vote blue or you vote red, voting is more important than, than not voting at all. And I think it was really important that we saw, you know, uh, as, you, as we see here, um, 15 teams in the NBA had 100% registration to vote rate. And that's not saying 100% of them were supporting Biden. We don't know. We, you know, I think a lot of them probably did. But, you know, these people are, are role models. And if they are doing their job as role models, then, you know, it's not it's not the age of, you know, the 1940s baseball player chews tobacco, so I want to chew tobacco. It's the 2020 basketball player votes, so I want to vote. And I think that's a lot more important. Yeah, no question. I think I think that was the first step. And yeah, I think voter, I mean, voter turn, I mean, Voter turnout get the get the get out the vote effort worked. And yeah, there's yeah. no there's no doubt about it. I mean, a lot of people were expecting it to be, I mean, people that thought it would be a landslide, it, it boggles my mind because not only was not only did Joe Biden get 81 million votes, but Donald Trump got like 73, 74 million himself. So I don't I I don't it just shows how like it really shows how divided our country is and how not only does like the social activism uh side want to come through but the opposition because of the the strengths made by uh social activism are pushing back even harder and that i think that shows alone that it's working i think that i think that it's if it's if it's frustrating and angering status quo politicians that don't that don't want change and it's making them angry and making them want to uh, curb efforts that's how you know you're you're starting to get somewhere because if it was not a big deal no politics like, trump wouldn't be tweeting about kaepernick if it wasn't a big deal but that that shows it's a big deal there's no there's no way around it so yeah the shut up and like the shut up and dribble oh like okay it's way bigger than that and they uh the, the nba is proving that and i'm hoping people do look up to these uh players and see that they're voting and it carries on generations of high voter turnout because I'm hoping in the next couple elections in the midterms in 22 and 24, I hope turnout remains this high. I don't, I don't, I really, I mean, it took really, it took two 
better of two evil candidates in 2016 to, to keep people at home. And I'm hoping that people that candidates are that there are candidates that are put up that aren't deemed evil. Cause I think that's where America, I think that we, the fact that we are choosing between people that thought were two evils, I think all set us back before Trump even won. And then he, he won and is, has been trying ev- forever to impede on the, on the progress that activism has made. So so yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um the midterms point is really important because you know, I think when you look at 20, 2018, you know, you're mentioning uh you know this idea of when they when we get pushback, it's it, there's progress showing. And 2018 was largely uh a huge win for the Democrats, which is great. You know, it's it's amazing that there was a lot of progress. There were a lot of people pushed that you know you wouldn't think they would win their their districts. There was a lot of voting on one side and there was voting on one side but that was you know a lot of political activism a lot of people you know getting out the vote in the political sphere but then i think when you add that you know making it a national issue which is what happened in 2020 you get even more support on the side that had already had a lot of support and you also get the pushback which as you said you know means we're we're getting to them yeah, I think that that's something that's just so important is is keeping that momentum. I think that, you know, 2020 has brought out in general just a lot of activists. And I think that it would be, I don't even know if disgraceful is the right word, but I'm going to use it. Like, it would be disgraceful. It would be shameful. I don't even know, like, what the correct word would be. But if that momentum stops, like, I think that if anything, like, 2016 showed that the state of our country can vastly change and we we are the people who who determine whether or not that change happens and when i say change i mean good change or bad change like we we very much are the sole determiners of what you know happens so i think that it i would like to see this momentum continue to happen in the sports field i would like to continue to see native mascots be removed i would like to continue to see all of these players in the nba stand up for what they believe in um you know when when the like the fog of 2020 and when the fog of covid dies down you know people people are saying people are saying let's return back to normal but like is normal what we really want to return back to like i don't i don't think so i think we should continue to use this as a, as an opportunity to make that sort of um you know, steady progress that we're making. Um, I would hate to see it relapse into complacency. So, yeah, I think that's important. I, it, I mean, so I mean, so um, I saw a post on Instagram. And it was Black Lives Matter, and they were they were coming at the president elect uh, Joe Biden, and they were they talked about how they scheduled a meeting with him, and it's interesting because the the man that I mean, millions, including myself voted to to like save like save us a lot of the racial um a lot of the the racism that the government like he he had a he had his name right right on there i mean he there's clips of him uh making racist comments there's legislation he had his name on and it's interesting because i think he as, as a person could represent a lot of the attitudes of a lot of Americans his age, where I think they throughout time had had racist tendencies and 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 were racist. But I feel like if Joe, I think a lot, uh, I don't know about a lot, but I feel like 
there is potential because of all these activism movements for people of all ages, not only young people. But I feel like people that have lived their lives in ignorance and without having without any attention being brought to these issues. I think they're. I think they're. I would like to see their like opinions of all ages. Like, I think they they have been evolving too, and I think that's important because while he's in, while Biden's in charge now. Gener- like he he's not the future you know and the future i think is is very bright but before we get there he he needs to he needs to write the ship a little bit mm-hmm. and we gotta be there helping him write the ship yeah mm-hmm. so i have kind of one more tangent i want to take us on uh if that's okay uh so i was thinking about stuff that we're talking about we're talking a lot about professional professional athletes professional sports and the sports world is definitely a lot bigger than that. Uh, I uh, I personally am a fencer, uh, but you know there's a lot of a lot of different sports, uh, and there's a lot of activism going on in different sports. For example, you know with fencing, for me, uh, there's a fencer named Rayson Bowden who at the Pan American Games, uh, you know, demonstrated on the podium uh, a former protest. He took it. He took a knee, and was almost banned from olympic competition by the you know united states fencing organization and this is literally last year like this isn't this isn't like you know 60 years ago or whenever the black power athletes were doing the doing it in the 60s this is last year and i think you know international sports and just kind of this idea of like olympic olympic athletes and all that kind of stuff uh they need they need some change where you know you see a lot of protests you know we have you know that image of the runners with you know putting the fist up in the 60s but that was you know 60 years ago and uh you know for example i, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh caster semenya uh who's a runner so basically her her whole story is she is a runner from africa who has um, just genetically more testosterone than the average woman. This isn't, this isn't drugs. This isn't that she's transgender. It's just a genetic thing. And there are people that are trying to, A, ban her from the sport, and, or B, make her take um, hormone suppressants before she runs. And I don't understand how, you know, her having a genetic advantage is any different than a basketball player being 6'10", as opposed to being 5'10". And those are just some issues. I don't know if you guys can think of any other issues that are like, you know, these, even when it's not on TV, or even if it is on TV in an Olympic format, but not on TV as in like a, you know, organized season, there is a lot of change that needs to happen. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting, Stam. I don't, I don't know why, like, she's necessarily receiving that feedback. Like, I would hope that it wouldn't have anything to do with her being a woman, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I don't think, like, like you said, I feel like if, if a man had that, like, just, like, predisposed advantage, like, I don't think that, that they would receive as much pushback, probably, as she's been receiving, so... I definitely and and we can see it in terms of any like female involvement in general in sports that's like a totally different conversation but um there's one player who who you know just was you know recruited to a college team a collegiate team you know football um 
even like even in you know conversations um about like sports funding like there are people who are saying well like football is like a man's sport like it's very much a we have we have a lot of progress to go i don't want to derail too much but even in terms of people like women wanting to become involved in sports whether they have that you know that that cool genetic you know disposition or they have that that cool genetic advantage or they just want to to go for it like i I definitely don't think that they should be turned away um so i think it's interesting that you mentioned that case um i think that that there are probably also more cases of that you know outside of you know the typical like the typical professional like era i guess area as well um so that's sort of what I take from it, but I think there's just a lot of work in 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 all aspects, um, as always. And uh, before we end, I just okay. want to say, um, you know, we are just kind of an up and coming show, so we like to, you know, if other people are doing that, we like to sh- help them shout out. So you have the floor, Jacob. So, uh, w- uh, my friend, because of because of sports, and as you can tell, how passionate I am on this one. You should check out uh, Sandik and Mangle uh, on UCTV Sports, on U- uh, affiliated with uh, University of Connecticut, um, and just me and me and my friend talking sports and having fun, and yeah, it's a blast. Cool. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely post uh, on the Instagram when we make the post. We'll we'll at you guys. Uh, Appreciate it. No problem. But, okay. Well, thanks, Jacob, for coming on again. Uh, this is really fun conversation. And uh, yeah, thanks for watching, everybody.